What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This Haberman and Middlecoff segment is brought to you by ashford.edu slash ham. Start your master's degree today. And sleepnumber.com slash ham. And simplysafe.com slash ham. Now to the segment. What'd you think? They're a good combo there. And for a while, it's just like, must be fun for John to sit here and listen to Kyle's press conference. Yeah, but my number one takeaway is because when you're watching the Periscope, at first I was just listening. I had it on my little JBL charge and I was away. And it's like, well, to me, an end of the year press conference after a loss like that, I got to see some faces. So then I, I kind of went into the office, sat down and watched like through my phone. Kyle looks like, and I don't blame him at all, that he's been in the bottle for the last two or three days, crying, maybe not actually crying, but if you told me he shed a couple tears, I'd believe you. But he he looks like he hasn't slept much, tossing and turning. He looked miserable. And you know, we often hear this. One of the, t- one of the stories that came out, someone told me this the other day. They're like, hey, you follow, follow Debo on Instagram? I'm like, no, I try to limit the amount of players I follow on Insta, and I haven't got around to Swaggy19 or whatever his handle is. They partied after the game. So, you know, wherever you stay at the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl party's happening whether you win or lose. And a lot of the guy, I think Lil Wayne played at their party, and they partied. Someone's like, what do you think about them partying? I'm like, there's a reason that the alcohol industry is one of the most successful industries in the world's history. Because people drink when times are good, and you could argue they drink more when times are shitty. It's a recession-proof product. I actually watched the Untouchables on Wednesday night. Makes your makes your uh, just helps you feel better when you don't feel good, and I have no problem with them partying, but like people, and I guess they went to Vegas after. I, Kyle does not look like he participated. Now he, I think it was kind of mandatory. Maybe they go down there and go, but it looks like Kyle's drank a lot. And someone told me at the Super Bowl, uh, yeah, I, I think I can say this. Peter King told me that he wanted to do... Remember how the video, which is still one of the best Insta stories I've ever seen, 
when you the Andy Reid picture of him in a in a uh, in a beanie, but the way the beanie looked, he looked like a a bandit from the from like the eighties. He looked like he was about to. What'd you say about to steal a bunch of cigarettes or something? Yeah, he looked like in a mob movie that would have made with like Pacino and De Niro that he would have been one of their henchmen jacking a truck of cigarettes. And Peter's like, you know, I would have loved doing it with Kyle, but I knew that Andy would say yes, and I didn't want to risk not asking him early. He he I, he basically said like. He was he set that up before the championship games. He's like, I knew Lafleur would want no part of it. Too young, too inexperienced. Vrabel is such an accomplished guy. He would have been down to do it, and he just knew him and Andy had done shit before. He's like, I I knew Kyle probably would have said no. It was risky, but mm. I did tell Kyle. I think during the week, like, listen, because after they won the Super Bowl, he get, he went into Andy Reid and spent like 20 minutes with him in Andy Reid's office, like the little office they have at the Miami Stadium. Mm-hmm. And that's where he got the drawing of the the third and 15 play and everything. And he's like, Kyle, I'm going to need you after this game for the MMQB or whatever. It's right. And Kyle's like, well, you better, if you win, he's like, well, you, you better get, I'll give you time, but it's got to be fast because I'm getting drunk. <laughs> You know, and I think Kyle clearly has been drunk these last three or four days in in a way that you just, if you told me he's just in his office at home, just with like, you know, the NBA game on mute in the background, just kind of staring at the sky, just kind of in quiet town with just a Jack and Coke, just in his sweats, just miserable. That's how he looked, guy. He, He looked really, really shook. But, you know, what's most impressive, I think, about being a young guy He's been through some crazy-ass times for a 40-year-old, right? He saw in Washington his dad and him get drugged through the mud. He went to Cleveland with Johnny. Uh, He had the 28-3 to thing that I wrote about in The Athletic. You and I have talked about it. It is a pretty unique situation that a coordinator takes all the shit in the head. We never mention Dan Quinn. Never mention him, guy. Where And it's kind of a double-edged sword because in this game... It was the defense that fell apart, and yet Kyle's getting all the shit again. So he got it when he was a coordinator. And and I was telling Kawakami, it's actually, that's a good sign. It shows you how powerful people think he, like, they, we don't boo nobodies. We don't talk shit about randoms. Like, Andy got the same heat forever. Like, that means you're good, and everyone knows it. But I, I think Kyle was pretty shell-shocked by the loss. I don't blame him. Like so, I, the, I, It was on last night. Did you notice it on NFL Network? I was yeah, flipping channels. Yeah, I, I watched it and recorded it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I didn't watch. I didn't uh, record the original game for whatever reason. I, I tried to watch the first quarter and you just real. I got the game. It did feel big rewatching. Like it did. I, I know. I appreciated that more watching it again. I definitely did. So let's just go through a bunch of the things that were said. I wrote down a bunch of stuff. You've got. Did you, did you agree with his face though? You could tell. Like he's. It's been a long week for him. It. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes, and but he, I, he, I don't think he's been staring off into the abyss. I think he's watched the game a bunch of times beyond probably what he normally does because there's not the prep for the next week. How many times, if you had to guess, in the last four days do you think he watched Boy, it? Boy, I got to think he's watched it. Four or five? Could, yeah. Scrubbed th- it pretty deeply, now, too. Now the, good, now, the thing with him, I think he's also, for as uh, uh, despondent as he might be on one hand, he's really on top of every aspect of it, right? I think one thing that seems to me as we're talking in the immediate hours after that press conference that is getting the most attention is that he said a couple things specifically about the end of the second half. He would not have done anything differently. Look, if they punt the ball the way they did, if they don't fuck up the the, the downing of the punt, it ended up being a touchback because the guy 
tried to toss it to his teammate and it couldn't handle it. But we're at the. But that's a hard. That's a hard play. I understand. I mean, I'm just telling you gets, what he said. This is, I think, yeah. become the headline of what he said is that he would not have done the end of the second half over. He wouldn't have changed any play calls. He would have uh, called a timeout before the fourth down play after they missed the third and ten. But he didn't say it was because they were frenetic. He said it was because their guys were tired because they just ran down the field. Um, but it, I, I think the fact that he said he has, he was like. John, he didn't just say I would I would have done it the same way again at the end of the second half. He said there was no doubt in my mind we did the right thing, no question about it, no ifs, ands, or buts. Like he was three times over definitive. That seems to be what a lot of people are uh, kind of taken away from it because a lot of people don't agree with him on that. Yeah, I don't right. have a big issue with it. I at least appreciate a guy like I think he's established. He's pretty sharp. His def- his defense of it is really logical. So you can disagree with it. But I do get the logic because what did he repeat? The reason we did it worked in that we got to ha- we got to the third quarter, uh, got to the fourth quarter up twenty to ten because we didn't get the ball back. And two games I threw late, we regretted it. Not late, but like in and, situations. And he, even though the way he explained it, his logic was different than the logic you had on Sunday night for the timeout before the fourth down play. When they're down four, and it felt like—I mean, that drive is the game. It—he at least is acknowledging. If I could go back, I would have called the timeout. Like that was just a situation, just to get take a deep breath in a situation where everyone's kind of on edge. We just miss a fucking the equivalent of a hail mary, but it's not. I mean, it's just the deep go route where it's just. <gasps> I mean, that takes a lot out of you, right? Just to run. You need Emmanuel Sanders. He's one of your best receivers. You're going to potentially, on a fourth and ten, you're going to potentially throw to him. He just ran 60 yards. I think he basically did the equivalent as much as a coach is going to do of saying, if I could do it over, I would have called timeout there. Yeah. Now, you could say hi and say it ended up not mattering, but that wasn't the point. Because that – I did look at it like that's the game. Because even if you go, there's what, a minute 30 left? I think his problem, and I do understand the other side, you go three straight timeouts, let's say they do kick it into the end zone, you're at the 20 with like a buck 30 left, now you got to score a touchdown, you're not, you, the field goal doesn't do anything for you, but that's still a lot of time, right, even if you have no timeouts. You, three timeouts to me is a really big deal if you do turn the ball over on down just because you can stop the clock. No doubt, but I, I think the counter is like, you've got the ball in your hands, you might like not... The 40. Or thirty or you've whatever. Converted, you've converted fourth and ten. You can convert those things. The the visual of Jimmy two hand passing it is, I, I if you're a diehard Niner fan, that is the hardest thing to watch to me in the game. Like oh my god, and then it like hits a lineman. Yeah, it's one that's thing as ugly yeah. of a, it's one thing to fail it's on fourth a, down, but to have the play not even happen. Yeah. Do you? But do you think he's being? Like I I think some of the feedback. Uh, has been like, why is he? Why is he being so stubborn about the end of the first half? Do you think he's being stubborn? How, how do you? Well, I, I, I that would be my first response if I didn't hear him explain. Well, we were up twenty to ten going in the fourth quarter. Now, I, I was, I ran into our, our friend and my, my doctor Elliot Schwartz this morning, and we talked about that a little bit this morning, and I said, I the one problem that fucked the Niners. Is just big picture. However, you were going to be there, being up twenty-seven to ten. Given the way the Chiefs were playing, like they were there to kind of be separated from, and the Niners couldn't really separate. Like twenty to ten, as we've learned, that's not a big lead against this team. 
So if they would have been able to just get more points, which potentially on that drive might have led to more points, I get the flip side. Maybe it leads to the Chiefs getting the ball back because you go three and out really fast. But if you just, that extra field goal and you were 23 to 10, the pressure, to me, 10 does feel attainable when you got Mahomes. Now you could argue 10 and 13 are the same because you got to score multiple. Well, I guess if you're 10, I mean, a field goal would have tied it where a field goal doesn't tie it on your second drive, right? If you're down 10 and not 13, like you need two touchdowns. But I, I, I think that I would, I might disagree a little bit there, just given how aggressive Andy had been early in the game going for and fourth down. Like they were just going to be swinging. Yeah. He did say if they'd picked up, you know, eight yards on that first run. He, I, I understand why he kind of not offended, but you think I'm being conservative when I, ha- I run the ball. Like we, we run the ball like yeah. most teams don't. So our runs are explosive plays. It's, it just gets back to the confusing the confusing aspect of football. <laughs> like, it's just, you could break down that third and 15 play all you want. I don't know the exact coverage rules of when I was texting with multiple people in the league, non-Chiefs people. Like, what are the rules cover three passing people off? It changes for every team. It changes in situations. Because in certain situations, Mosley's supposed to take that guy and it gets handed off. It's that quote-unquote pattern matching texting with coach reed he talked about something with the divide of it like these are shit like no we don't understand yeah that was a casual drop super bowl champ head coach text me back uh he, he was from uh, q barbic from q35 he's q39 he's in a pretty good Q39. place guy. but I, I just think that like it's just a very confusing I, I i do i've done football for a living now for over a decade and i don't know this shit and i think it gets back to i give kyle credit for not stupid questions, but handling questions unlike a lot of coaches do, guy. Like, would Belichick have been? I mean, he would have been a dick. He wouldn't have acted like that. So I, I think there is an element of, like, it is kind of cool that he's just at least talkative yeah. about the stuff, yeah, I mean, whether you agree or disagree. Well, he lets you know what he's thinking. And then you can judge what he's thinking, whether you agree with it or not. But he does seem to communicate pretty clearly what he what he thought. Like, one thing I thought listening to him was, if he did not have kind of the if if the players didn't appreciate and we know they do because we've heard it so much from them his prowess as a play caller then saying no I would not change a single play call we just have to you know the plays were there to be made could be taken the wrong way by players right like if the players don't respect the coach and his play calling ability you could piss some players off by saying I wouldn't change a single call the execution basically is what you're saying was what was the issue um, and maybe I'd have a problem with it if I hadn't watched Kyle now for so long and didn't think he was an elite level coach, but that is what I think. So I don't, I, I watched the throw sail over Emmanuel Sanders hand ahead. I agree with him. Now I don't break down every play like he does, but, or nearly know all the options. I think you could argue there was a couple second and five, third and five where you, or a second and 10 where you run the ball, but I mean, and who knows, like you said to me, like maybe he would privately change some things. But um, I, I, I said that to you before we started the podcast. You, you thought differently. And the more I think, I, I think he's been pretty consistent with being open about his thought process. Yeah. You know, what's he hiding? So is there, there, is there a, a risk in saying, like, I wouldn't have changed anything? No. With your I locker mean, I, room? I think they like that. Remember yeah. when he's like, I, I would not have played for the tie. And all the players are like, fuck yeah. We don't want to. We don't play to tie. 
Now it they ended up coming a half yard short of that being a big deal. Like that, if they would have tied that game, that Seattle game wouldn't have mattered. They could have rested everyone. Not like that ended up mattering anyway because they rolled through the NFC playoffs. I, I got no problem. I my, my big thing in life, guy, be who you are. You know what? What's Nagy's thing? Be you. Just be, be you. true to who. Be you. You like Belichick's just himself. Coach Reed's just himself. Like I, I think we now have three years of evidence. Like I, I know exactly what we're getting from Kyle. There's no fraudulent, just you try to say one thing to do another thing. Like, we're about to get into baseball season. I think Kapler's the complete opposite, a complete just fake construction of what he thinks it's supposed to look like. I I think Kyle, and that has to get with security of how good you are at your job and what the job entails. I think he's very secure with what he has to do. And his personality, being a younger guy, it's pretty just... He's just naturally a little more receptive to shit that older coaches aren't necessarily. So I, I got no issue yeah, with it at all. As someone who feels, in my own way, like I'm in this position, um, I did watch Kyle today and think that guy's in the zone right now. Like I'm not not in the zone today. They lost, but I he has complete confidence that comes from the hours of preparation that comes from seeing it work right consistently. Um. I think he has total confidence in what he sees in, in in that what he sees is what is happening. Like, you know, I saw Andy Reid talking about Mahomes. It's like the crazy thing. Like, we knew he was good. Um, I saw the tape after Veach told me this is the greatest play I've ever seen. I was like, damn, this guy's good. He makes plays no one makes. So we go get him. We bring him in. But the thing you don't quite know is, like, is he going to make all those plays in the NFL? Like, does it all just translate? He's like, and then practice starts, and all the same no-look shit he was doing, he does. And then you put him in a game, and there's no there's no in-between. Like, when you come to the sideline and say to the quarterback, what did you see? And then he tells you, you just go to the tape. And either he's right, or either he saw what was really there, or he's wrong. There's no in-between. He's like, and you go to the tape, and Patrick's always right. Like, his vision, his ability to process everything that's happening and correctly identify what it is when you check the tape he's great at it well I think the more you recognize if you're Patrick Mahomes like what I think I saw is what was out there the more confident you get and I think Kyle's at a place where he is so confident who he is obviously their players are really good like he knows what's going to work and what's not going to work he just knows and he's proven to be right a lot now it doesn't always actually work but you just reevaluate and go was that the right play or the wrong play was that the right thing or the wrong thing and I just think he's in the zone. I think he's got the – as a, he's always obviously been a confident guy. I think he's got the utmost confidence uh, in himself right now. And when you're actually talented to be that confident is when is when you're dangerous. So I got no issue with any of the stuff he said. And, and again, I just go back to at the end of the day, I think he got one of the best coaches in the league coaching that team. So deal with totally it. Totally agree. Um, what did you think about – you know one thing he said? How about when he's like – Oh yeah, I got like 200 text messages. It would have been more if I didn't change my phone number so much. Did you catch that? I I, I heard him say something about his phone number. Yeah, I didn't he, quite he changes get it. his phone number all the time. Must be yeah, a second that, phone, right? The phone he I, gives I, out to like silver. Yeah, I think the point though, and I thought he did a good job of illustrating this, is in their profession, and I guess any public profession, but definitely when you're a coach. If you're going to text the guy after a win, are you going to text him after a loss too? Right? Is he getting – and I, I think about that because I, I do text after wins and sometimes I don't ask for losses. 
you could argue, do they need your text more after a loss? Like, hey, man, just thinking about you. Hopefully, no doubt. Keep your head up. I fucking believe in you. And it's just he had a good point of if I, if I thought I was the best coach ever after the Green Bay game, then am I going to think I'm the worst coach? You can't put too much into either side. Well, if you text – And co- coaches tell their players all the time, right? Like, if you, if you call a game and you check Twitter after the game, if you call, like, let's say Haberman does the fucking NFL game next year. And you do a big game. What's one? Yeah, and does a. Uh, so you do an NFL game, and let's say it was a big game. Let's say let's say you did Sunday night, like fucking Tariko or whoever. Or Michaels is out, and you fill in for Collinsworth. Yeah, you call the game. Right. Let's just be a it'd be a big jump. But let's was just, I just say in the area. Yeah, just you, you knew you like, knew Michaels, and you would play just whatever. Just listen to it. Okay. And you looked at Twitter after the game, and it was a Cowboy Patriot game or something. Yeah. And 25 million people were watching. You can take a lot out of that one way or the other. Right. Are you going to let that phase you, or are you just going to keep on trucking? Right. I mean, it's just good or bad. Let's say you fuck up, for example, like Witten and those guys when they were fucking up names. I can't imagine. Are they living on Twitter after the game? Are they checking social media? Well, hard but, the, not to. But, here, but here's the question, right? If you truly are your best, your your most uh, critical critic, then you'll be killing yourself internally more than anybody could kill you on Twitter. Like that's what you'll be. Mo- you'll be so mad at yourself, right? Like what you say yeah. to yourself is the most important thing. I also think, guy, there's an element here. If they just had the version of like John Dorsey as his as his GM of just like some. Big time personnel guy, but just kind of a scout, scouts, right? Not a media guy, not no pelts like a Middlecoff version of me that had just stayed in the league. And I was thirty eight years old. I was Kyle's right hand man. I had worked for New England or whatever, and we knew each other or Atlanta. And he just made me his GM because there are a lot of guys like that around the league. At one point in time, like John Schneider was like that or whatever, but he was lucky. Like he had Pete, you know, or Casario has Bill. Or, you know, Howie for a while had Andy, and then when he was put in a position where he's now above what his coach, he's seen it all for like 10 years. That, to me, is where John Lynch, like just his presence, him talking, his credibility, it's not even about like the player acquisition or making moves or scouting. It's just having that guy around right now, to me, is worth its weight in gold. Just because he can just say, like when he's around the players, I think there is something to that. I actually think he's a good positive influence on Kyle. Yeah. Where he can he can be like, fucking pull your head up, man. Like there there's a player element to him for Kyle that I think he can bring him up. Because if Kyle was around just another Kyle, I think it could get really negative really fast. And you just see John is just not that's not the way he's wired. That's where I think he he adds a huge element of positivity that well, way. Right. Because John's explanation for calling the timeout was just, hey, man, I'm just into the game. Like, I'm just rooting on the team, you know? He, he Parag, knows he's like Parag, and about. I think Parag's incredibly valuable to them, too, right? If John Lynch was a GM in charge of everything all by himself, that'd be a different animal, right? To, under, to have somebody who just gets all the – who's able to handle all that other stuff and lets frees him up to be, to be what he's best at. And then, you know, he said they want Eric Armstead back, but – I, I thought that was a pretty real moment when John's like, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm basically a fan up there. I call fucking timeout. Like we all did. I, listen, I understand like going back and his explanation. I'm not here to tell him I'm not in charge of that. I, I'm just, and this is gets back to the GMs in general in baseball, right? They dictate the players 
In basketball, they clearly have a lot of pull right now. Baseball, they dictate the players and the in-game management. Yeah, they dictate everything. In football, they have never mattered less when the game's going on. Like, they have zero impact, guy. Zero. John Lynch has as much impact during the game as me and you did on our couch. Like, they, they don't do anything. You can't. You're in a fucking box eating peanuts and Diet Cokes. Like, you're doing nothing besides rooting like normal humans. And it's just like, I was kind of interested. Like, whoa, this is going to get a little weird. And, he's, and it, when you end it with just like, I got this motherfucker's back 24-7. Like, and he's just like, okay. You know, just, again, a high-level response that I think might have flustered some. Now, you would imagine... You know, they had some idea that John would know. Maybe we'll get a question on that. You were. Yeah, it was visual. Yeah. They knew. Bob Lang prepared him for it if they didn't know. But they knew. Yeah. Which, whatever. Um, all right. I, yeah. I, I, really quick on Eric Armstead. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're lying. Like, we want to keep him. Why wouldn't they? I mean, he's one of their best players. It is going to be really, really fascinating. I do think it's kind of the ace in their hole that like part of sustaining an organization right is you can't keep everyone. You get a small core group of people and you got to let some guys go. And I, I just think like the Belichickian way is he's probably the guy. Now you get value for it. You franchise tag and trade, but I don't know if you can bring him back given that paying Kittle, paying Buckner, probably trying to add a couple pieces. You, you don't have a second or third round pick. You know, if you get a second-round pick for him, I, I, I think that when it's all the dust settles, I, I would lean 60-40, he's tagged and traded. That's what cha- – you never – I'll, my last thought on this for today will be this. You never go back to that first year you made a run again. It's never the same. No matter you reload. John Lynch used the analogy of a few years ago we got to go to the grocery store and just take all the stuff we want. Now if we want something, we got to put something else back. Based on how much players, you know, we got more players that are expensive, but you never. And we don't have an unlimited amount of cap room like we did back then. Yeah, it's just, I I just had this feeling. This isn't so much just an Eric Armstead thought, but just what you've got captured right now. Man, you never have that first year again. Well, like, for example. Just all that we surprised everybody and we snuck up on people and all our dudes. It's like, it's just now there's a challenge of like, we lost. Are people going to start blaming each other? We say we're going to come back ready to roll. Only eight teams have gone back to the Super Bowl the next year, three and five, right? That's the record. It gets, it, it, to me, it's now really, really hard. Can you go on a run for the next five years, make the playoffs for the next five years? That just shows you're an incredible organization. Your coach is a star. Like, we'll learn a lot over the next several years. Like, I, I think in two years, we'll be like, yeah, this is a high level operation. Yeah, even if they don't win a Super Bowl guy, if you just go, they win the West and win a wild card the next two years in some order, right? And win a couple playoff games. You'd be like, well, they, they got a good thing going. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.